Hello and welcome to the Adaptive Zone podcast, talking all things running and triathlon from injury through rehabilitation and into performance. Hi guys, today I'm joined by Candice Elliott, who's a physiotherapist from Red Deer, Alberta. And we're going to be talking about swim clubs. Um, we had a question come in, which I read out at the start of the episode. And basically, swim clubs are something that many runners or aspiring triathletes like myself um, might think about. But uh, we have lots of unanswered questions and kind of like uh, a lot of the things I think were kind of dumb questions. So I wanted to bring someone on who could maybe answer some of those and maybe bring down some of the barriers that make us feel a little bit about a little bit awkward about joining something like a swim club or even getting into swimming generally. And Candace shares some really helpful tips and tells us a little bit about what to expect if we go to a swim club or if we're getting into swimming for the first time, some some of the basics and things to know and it's really, really helpful. If you're an experienced swimmer, it's not really going to be for you. There's not too much in there. But if you are thinking about swimming or thinking about triathlon and are a little bit intimidated by the swimming side of things you'll certainly get a lot of out of this episode so let's take it away with uh, Candice Elliott physiotherapist so uh, yeah we had that question from Shane which I'll sort of read out at the start but it's uh yeah hey hope all is well I was wondering where do you find good groups to bike and swim with and to teach techniques I thought we could kind of use that as a as a navigation is that is that okay Yes, <laughs> although that is a big failing of the swim clubs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah, that's why I thought it'd be a good idea to get you on to talk about because I yeah. have heard of, I mean, honestly, the first time I heard of a master's swim club, because the, the, the name is master's, I thought, well, that sounds quite like intense. Do you know what I mean? So what, what, what yeah. is a master's swim club exactly? So masters just means that you're over 18 years old. So if you're under 18, then you just swim, um, I guess, competitively, like with other people your age. And if you're over 18, then you're just classified as masters. So you don't have to be a really good swimmer. You can be at any skill level. That's just what they call it. And I believe that's all across Canada. Oh, right. Okay. So that's, the name can be very misleading because you tell that to people and they say, wow, you must be really fast. And you're like, well, no, you don't have to be. <laughs> so. And then, so what's your background in swimming? Have you been like swimming your whole life or just for a while or? Uh, pretty much my whole life. Um, my mom made us take all of our swimming lessons when I was a kid and then when I was about 10, I joined the swim club in my hometown. So I swam in swim club until I was in high school and then kind of stopped swimming a little in university. And then I got back into it. I joined masters two years ago. So took All a bit right, of a okay. break, but so we have people that are like me that have been in swim club or they just swam the whole way through, never quit. And then we have people that took swimming lessons or know a little bit of swimming, but don't have a whole lot of skill necessarily. So then the club helps them improve. And how many people like in a, in a master's swim club typically? Um, 
I believe the like in Red Deer, we've had around 30 or 35 the last few years. Um, Calgary, the clubs get really full. So there's actually a wait list to join. I'm not actually sure of their size. Um, right now with COVID, we are allowed to have 48 swimmers just so that with our two coaches, we're considered one cohort, but we're nowhere near that number. Right. Okay. Well, I guess um, just to orientate some of the because we've just started blabbering on about it, but <laughs> let's <Yeah. laughs> orient it. Some people will be listening and some people will be watching. So okay. we're both in okay. Red Deer and uh, just yes. to intro you, um, Candice and I are both physiotherapists and work at Collegiate Sports Medicine. And um, the Masters Swim Club uh, is in Red Deer, is that right? Yes, but and they have them all over the place. Right, okay. And uh, what's yeah. the name of the, the Red Deer one? Uh, the Red Deer Silver Sharks. Right. Okay. And then if you want to join, is it like how often do you guys meet and all that kind of stuff? So in Red Deer, we actually have five different swim times. Um, you can either swim Tuesday, Thursday afternoon or Tuesday, Thursday evening, and then everybody can swim on Sunday morning. So you can either register to swim once a week or you can register for three times per week and you can go to any practice that you want. Okay. Within like how you're registered. And then what, what does it look like when you go? Like how, how long is it? What kind of workouts are you doing? Is it really hard? Cause I, I know for me, it's a little intimidating cause especially when I first started swimming, cause I went from running to swimming and that's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I mean, I went swimming when I was a kid and, um, like I went to a swimming club and stuff to learn how to swim, but then I didn't really swim apart from like swimming around in the sea on holiday um, yeah. until like last year. And I remember just, I was like, how do you go swimming? And I would look at the, the rec center and it was like lane swimming and yeah. public swimming. And even that confused me. Yes. So what, what's the difference between lane and public swimming? So public swimming would be like what you would take your children to if you want to go fool around in the pool or if you want to play like at the wave pool or on the water slides or just, you know, like throw a ball around or there's other kind of different things. Lane swimming is all of the lanes are separated by lane ropes and you just swim back and forth for however long that you want to. So if kids are going to go, they also have to, you know, just swim back and forth across the pool some people will walk in the pool in the slower lanes, so that's usually okay. But yeah, lane swimming is if you were going to swim to train for something or for fitness. And public so, swimming is just like a free-for-all at the pool. Yeah, so that's, uh, and then you get some that are public slash lane swimming, right? So it's like, is it like half the pool is lanes and half is like kids messing yeah, around? Yeah, they usually would have um, a couple of lanes blocked off for people that just want to swim laps. And then the rest of the pool would be open for people to just kind of play around and have fun or use the hot tub or the sauna or things. And when you're swimming with the, what do you call it? The silver sharks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you guys sort of reserve the whole pool and then all the lanes are just for your club or do you have half where it's like anyone is coming in and using them or it's and like a two or three lanes where just you guys are in them like how does yeah. that work so on tuesday and thursday afternoons uh because afternoons aren't a very popular time a lot of people work full time they just have two lanes reserved um 
I don't know what happens with the rest of the pool if it's regular lane swimming time because I've never gone to those practices. But in the evenings and on Sundays, we have the entire pool reserved. So it's just masters that's there at that time. Okay. So the masters club reserves the pool sometimes, but yeah. then some of the quieter times, not so much if there's not so many yeah. people attending that session usually. Yeah. And so what it looks like is practices are either 60 minutes or 90 minutes. Um, and all of the lanes are separated by lane ropes. So at the Michener pool is the one that we often swim at. There's six lanes. So you have between one and four people in your lane, depending on your skill level. So you're split up. Sometimes you kind of split yourself up if you know who's coming to practice that day. When you first start out, the coach will ask you, you know, what your swim level is. They usually just get you to swim a lap or two and they kind of put you in a lane where people are a similar speed. And then so when that, you, so say I'm a newbie and I go in there. Yeah. So there's a coach for every session. Yeah. Like a, okay. Yeah, and so then, they're, they're like a certified swim coach credentials I'm not entirely sure of. But yeah, we, right now we have two coaches and they've been coaching for several years. So, And then, so say they put me in the thing and they, they're going to determine where I'm going to go in terms of the different lanes are going to have different skill levels and yep. they're going to try and put me in the right one so I'm not going too hard or too easy. So they're yep. going to ask me to swim a couple of lengths. Now, am I supposed to go like as hard as I can or is that am I supposed to pick a comfortable speed like how do they how how do I do that bit I think it's just up to you like even just probably watching you swim 10 or 15 meters gives them an idea of okay like this guy's <laughs> you know he doesn't put his face in the water or you know different things like that or no he can't actually do front crawl so yeah and as your skill level changes um, they might tell you to move up so I know swimmers that have started out in the slowest lane and then they'll come to practice one day and the coach will say, no, swim here today. And you maybe do a little bit of a harder workout or this, I guess the, the same workout, but over a shorter period of time. So, so that's a good question because I remember when I yeah. first went, you get in the pool and you're so, you know, it's like sometimes when you go back to the gym, you're just so convinced that everybody's looking at you and thinking, what an idiot. Why are they doing that? You know, I went in my, I had running shorts because I didn't, didn't have anything else to wear. I had okay. like an old crusty pair of goggles and okay. I went in the slow lane and I seemed a bit too fast because there was people walking in that lane. Yeah. So I moved to the next one and I was struggling to keep up. And then I wasn't sure what the like, the etiquette was for whether I should like stand at the side and, and, or do you know what I mean? Like when I was taking a rest where you should stand. So there was all yeah. these little like things that made me feel very uncomfortable and so a lot of people that listen to this will be runners and you know yeah I, so what what is I mean that so that I went through it and now when yeah. I go to the pool I'm, I'm quite comfortable but at first it was really nerve-wracking if you um if you're like me and you you were just running and you're like I want to take up swimming because it's good cross training and I want to try something new but you haven't swam in a while, you don't have all the gear, you don't yep. know about like when to go, would Masters Swim Clubs be a good place or should you sort of get your feet wet as it were, go a few would, times on your I own? I would start with Masters. Um, honestly, um, 
I've, I've been thinking about swimming a lot the last couple of days. And like, if you're just getting into it, instead of struggling through it on your own, it's a lot easier if you have somebody coach you. Like we, we have swimmers of all levels. There's one swimmer who started this year having to practice putting their face in the water. And there's one swimmer who I believe almost made an Olympic swim team when he was younger. So there's, there's everything in between. So if you don't really know what you're doing, coming to the pool is a really good idea because like the more experienced swimmers, you know, the coach gives us a workout. And then if someone really needs help or has lots of questions, he goes over and spends a lot of time working with them and giving them like separate like special drills or different things to do and really helps them work on things so instead of just going and struggling on your own and trying to figure out what you read online or different Mm. things like that like it's the the coaches will they'll teach you and other swimmers can help you too yeah because there's going to be more experienced swimmers there like yourself who aren't the coach necessarily but you know they can just kind of give you a helping hand so yeah. what about if you're, you know, you're a runner and you're an adult and you didn't learn to swim when you were a kid? Is, is this a good place to go? Or should you look for like adult swim lessons? What you would, would need you... adult swimming lessons. So you need to know how to swim to join masters. So if you don't know, you know, what front crawl is or back crawl, or you don't know how to kick your feet, <clears> then you would, or, you know, you don't know how to breathe out into the water those would be things that you would want to take swimming lessons for so they won't actually teach you how to swim if you don't know how but if you have you know maybe you made it through a few of your I don't even know what swimming lessons like maybe you made it to level six out of level 10 of swimming lessons when you were a kid you should at least know in theory how to swim a little bit and you know tread water and that type of thing but if you don't know how to swim at all then you're looking at adult swimming lessons and what would be a good gauge? Is it like, you know, if you can swim 15 minutes on your own without <laughs> sinking, is that like, okay, then you can go into masters. But if you can't I mean, do if that, you can but... swim one length of the pool, but you know, you can, if you can swim all the way, you know, the 25 meters yep. across, then I would say start out in masters. Okay, if you cool. have no idea how to get from one end of the pool to the other, you're probably looking at swimming lessons. Okay, cool. And then, so again, we're coming back to someone like me, right? I know how to swim, basically. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about getting back into swimming, um, but I've, I haven't swam much as an adult, right? I, I, I was only running until last year. And then yeah. what, what do I need to get? Because like, again, I had to sort of figure out the gear as I went. And I, I wanted yeah. to kind of share what would have been good things to have. Do you need a lot of gear? Do you need those toys? Do you need, <laughs> like, what, what, what do you need to get started? So really, um, number one, I would say goggles. Um, there, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody since I was a small child swim without goggles. Um, it's, it's very uncomfortable to do that. And if you're a woman, you want to look for a one-piece bathing suit, um, like a, a bikini, something that you might have to worry about falling out of or falling down. <laughs> it, you don't want that. So like a, a one-piece bathing suit. Um, and then as a guy, not like swim trunks, like baggy shorts, they're going to weigh you down a lot. So you don't have to wear the little Speedo that people think of. That is a specific question I had. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Only I've one member wears the Speedo. speedo. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Speedo Only, is quite okay. uncomfortable. So what do, what do the guys wear? 
So a lot of them wear uh, what are called jammers, which are like a longer uh, short that they're, they're, they're tight, they're snug fitting, they come about mid thigh, or some of them will wear more like a boxer brief length um, mm -hmm. swim short as well. So as long as it's snug fitting, then that's okay. what you're looking for. You're not going to get that drag. And what, I mean, if you're either going to search it online or if you're going to go to a store, I mean, a one piece bathing suit, I think most yep. women would, I mean, even I think I, I understand how to look for that. But yep. a guy, like, what would you type in? What do you, what do you, because I would think speedos, but I don't know, I wouldn't feel comfortable wearing speedos. So these other things you mentioned, yeah. you know, what kind of um, shop do you go to? Or what do you, what do you search online if you're looking for that stuff? Men's swimsuit. <laughs> um, okay. So I think they call them jammers, which are the longer length um, shorts. I can't remember uh, what the, the sh you know, the one in between the mid length, mid thigh length short and the little speedo mm -hmm. banana hammock. I can't remember what those ones are called. Um, so men's bathing suits, shoots, shorts or jammers and jammers is like J-A-M-M-E-R-S? Yes. Okay. And then goggles, what, what are we looking for there? Do we have to spend a lot of money? Do we want to get the cheapest pair we can find? Um, you what? don't have to spend a lot of money. A um, couple of things to think about is if you're going to be swimming indoors or outdoors. Um, if you're swimming outside, having darker tinted goggles can be nice. Uh, I don't like that because in the pool inside, it's not as bright and they do get foggy. I know there was a question around that. So I have like a, I have a clear pair. Actually, both of mine are clear so that mm -hmm. I can see. Um, something that I like is on the, under the eyepiece. If this is foam, the foam will kind of get separated and eat away and then you can get leaks in your goggles. Right. So this one, it's all kind of one piece together, if you can see that. Yeah. Um, one good thing is if the goggles have a nose piece that's adjustable, some of them will come with different size nose pieces. Because when you put them on your face, what you, if you can take them out and try them on, if you stick them, <laughs> here we go in the videos, if you stick them <laughs> to your eyes, you should be able to have them stick to your face. Oh, yeah. So the okay. straps are here, and if they don't stick, if you can't get them to stay on, they're probably too big in the eye area, so then you're going to get lots of leaks in them. Right. So okay. the straps well, you can adjust, but yeah, so this eyepiece, this one took me a, a while to figure out how to get it adjusted, so like it's, it's a lot bigger, but I can still get it to stay on my face, but again, this one right. popped off, so it's a lot wider of a lens than the other one. And, is, and is yeah, there goggles, a, they're, uh, sorry. they're not that expensive. I think they're around $20. Yeah, so. even the good ones are not terribly expensive, right? No, they're not. And they will, over time, they'll break down from the chlorine in the pool, so they won't last forever. Um, the one pair that I have here I've used for just over two years, and it's holding up really well. Yeah. And do yours fog up? Because mine fog up all the time. That... I don't know anybody who can have their goggles not fog up. So right. they usually come with a coating on them. Um, something that you want to try not to do is try not to get water like on the inside of the goggle because there's usually an anti-fog coating there. So mm -hmm. I know I've seen swimmers who will dip their goggles in the pool and that helps that wear down a little bit faster. 
you can buy anti-fog sprays. I've never mm-hmm. tried them, but I, I did have a client who was in the, the Red Deer Swim Club like as a teenager. And she, I asked her one day and she said, they just fog up. So <laughs> I yeah, don't know I, how to make that stuff happening. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was thinking about this. I can't imagine there is a way because it's probably the fog. I, I don't know exactly, but it's probably something related to the coolness of the water versus the temperature of your, your body. Is that what's yeah. going on with the fog? And generally, the longer that you swim, like when I start in a workout, um, it takes them longer to fog up. And the, the newer pair that I have takes longer to fog up than the older pair, but they fog up by the end of the workout. So usually, like if I take a break, I'll just kind of wipe them with my thumbs to get the fog off, <laughs> keep going. And what, and you're wiping the outside or the inside? The inside, yeah. And, and you said, because I didn't know this, you said try not to... So when you get in the pool, you should already have them on your eyes. So you're not getting the inside of the goggles wet. Or on your forehead. Like usually uh, I put my cap on and then I put my goggles on and they're, you know, sitting up. They're twisted. They're sitting up on my forehead and then you, know, you hop in the water and then I'll put them down when you go to start swimming. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Because, yeah, I always dip them in the water to when they start to fog up I dip them in to to get the fog off but I should love them yeah well I I use my thumbs because yeah I've kind of learned over the years that if you continuously dip them in the pool the chlorine the pool water is going to eat away the anti-fog coating I mean it's still on my thumbs but it's a little bit less than than if you're actually dipping it in the water well, I think it's too late for my current pair, but my next pair, yeah. can, <laughs> I could. And it'll up. it'll still happen. I mean, I've done that with both of my pairs, and they both start to fog too. So, no. I don't yeah, have I mean, a solution for that. Some of the people listening to this will be, you know, getting into triathlon and stuff, which is what I was doing. So it's it's probably yeah. worth mentioning there because yours are clear. But I know once you start going to open water swimming, so you're swimming um, outside yeah. in lakes and rivers and stuff like that. Um, my goggles have um like a it almost looks like sunglasses when you look at them from the outside um and i believe that's to help with the reflections of the sun off the water and this yeah kind of like having sunglasses on essentially yeah yeah and that's a personal preference and yeah it depends on where you're swimming i do have two pairs of dark tinted goggles and i only use them now if i somehow would lose the two pairs that I have like I have them but I, I don't like them but I also only swim indoors uh so that's what you meant by dark tinted it was this kind of as yeah if sunglasses. or some yeah. of them are mirrored and they look like yeah like sunglasses that's what's mine are yeah because you can't really see my eyes when I have them on yeah and I I do have two pairs of dark tinted ones but I didn't bring them to my prop pile <laughs> uh, and what about but, swimming cups I mean I don't wear one because I'm bald but should I and do do does everybody need one? Like what's up with swimming caps? If you are racing, so as at masters, so if you're over 18, um, you can still go to swim meets. They do have swim meets, not currently with COVID, but they do have mm. them. So if you're really concerned about speed and time and shaving off the milliseconds, wearing a swim cap, whether or not you have hair, unless you've completely, you know, shaved your head right to the skin. I would say anybody who's got hair longer than an inch or two would probably want a swim cap. Um, With a lot of people, it's because when you're swimming, your hair will get in your eyes. And Mm. as a woman, even if you put your hair, a man with longer hair, if you put it in a ponytail, the little bits are still going to get out. It's going to get in your eyes. Um, It will slow you down. I haven't swam without a swim cap in... 
probably since before I was 10 years old. So I, and I've also gotten my hair tangled in my goggles. So if you have anything longer than, you know, a typical man's haircut, I would say getting a swim cap. Or if you spent a lot of money dyeing your hair, um, you might want to keep as much chlorine water out of it as you can. Yeah. See, these are things that never occur to me. So that's, that's good to know. But when I grow my hair long and dye it red, I'll, yes. I'll know. Yes. So, I mean, I've never actually worn a swim cap. So this has okay. always baffled me. But it's, it's, you know, one of those, I guess this is the theme of this episode is like questions you feel too stupid to ask. So I'm no, asking that's okay. Now. Like, ask so away. <laughs> my next one is, if you're a girl and you've got, well, I guess like anyone with long hair and you put a swim cap on, before you go in the pool and then you go and swim for like half an hour and then you get out and you take your swim cap off. Is your hair dry or is it wet? It's wet. So something that my mom actually asked me about when I was a teenager is why don't swim caps keep your hair dry? Right. Swim caps are not meant to keep your hair dry. So they're meant to make you a little more streamlined. So you go faster, but also keep your hair out of your face. Um, so water does get under the cap. It's not a tight seal. Um, a lot of the time they want you to shower before you get in the pool anyway. So your hair is wet before you get in the pool. Oh, okay. But yeah, they're not meant to keep your hair dry. Right. Okay. It'll keep it a little bit drier, but it'll still get wet. Well, again, and then that's a, a question that some, you know, learners who are thinking about getting into getting into a bit of swimming might be concerned about it never occurred to me but if you know if you if you have had your hair dyed or you've had it done recently is going swimming going to mean that you end up going back to the hairdressers sooner than if you weren't swimming if you were just running i mean maybe i don't dye my hair um like if you're in the pool regularly like my understanding is when you dye your hair, you know, the more often you wash it, the Mm. quicker the dye comes out. So if you're swimming for an hour or so, and then you're washing your hair a few times a week, maybe extra after, then I would say it probably would fade faster. But most women out there color their hair and there are a lot of them at the pool. Right. Okay. And they don't, they don't sort of lament how quick, how they're ending up going to the hairdresser every like second week because of it. I've not heard that from anybody. Um, you can also buy, and what I would recommend if you have blonde hair or like gray hair, uh, white hair is getting a clarifying shampoo to remove the chlorine because it does, it does kind of build up in your hair and it makes it it gives it a really kind of strange feel like you can often, if you haven't washed the chlorine out of your hair, your hair feels kind of gross and crusty. And when I was a kid, I actually had my hair turn like it had a green tint to it. So in fluorescent light, you would see my blonde (laughs) hair and it had like a green tint. So (laughs) it is a concern if you have light hair or if you're paying to dye your hair blonde. Um, So to mitigate that, you would get what kind of shampoo? just a, a clarifying shampoo clarifying, um, some of them will okay. say like swimmer shampoo or i think i just went to the hair salon and looked for a clarifying shampoo and read the back and it specifically said to remove chlorine from swimmer's oh, hair okay. so and then you should you use that, like that on your exit from the pool every time or is it just like do it once a week or like i use it after every time i swim 
this is fascinating. I didn't know yeah. any of this. Okay. But I've also but, seen swimmers just use regular shampoo after swimming, even if they have blonde hair and their hair didn't look green. So I, maybe I'm the exception. Okay. I guess I'm picturing like bright, luminous green hair. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of like, well, you know how you, if you, someone has to say dark brown hair and they've got a little bit of red highlights in it, you can kind of see a little bit of a red tint in certain lights. All right. Okay. So, so it would be not, like that, except the tint in my hair was green. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that brings me to my next point. Um, okay. I don't know if this is a thing that happens to other people or if it just happened to me, but I bought, I bought triathlon shorts to swim in. I don't know if you know what I they are. I don't know what triathlon shorts are. So you know those jammers you mentioned? Yep. I think they're like those. They're essentially okay. like, they look like cycling shorts, right? Okay. But you can swim in them. Okay. And in the, in the butt bit, there's like a, like a pad, but it's not a really thick pad. So okay. if I get this right, I believe cyclists often buy cycling shorts that have a very thick pad that you, yeah. it's kind of like a nappy to sit okay, on yeah <laughs> it's not for if you poo yourself it's for if you're just, just like for cushion yeah for a cushion yeah but in triathlon um the the triathlon shorts have a thinner part i think this is okay. right and and i think that's that's because you're going to get out of the bike oh, sorry out of the water and it's you don't want a really thick part because it'll be like drenched and then yes. you'll have to sit on this drenched part because then you're going to get straight on the bike and then you're going to run. So you have a thinner part. Now, okay. the question I had, those triathlon shorts, I was just like, well, I'll wear those for my swimming rather than mm -hmm. the running shorts because at least I, I look a little bit more like I fit in. But they, they sort of disintegrated. They, they, they didn't disintegrate, but they... Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So if you're going to be training and swimming, you're going to want to get um, a training bathing suit. So you would save your triathlon shorts for days that you're racing. Mm -hmm. um, so they actually, if you like the typical swimsuit that you would buy, you know, you're going on holidays, you're just going to go and get like a Lycra spandex bathing suit. Those don't hold up very well in chlorine water because there's so many chemicals oh. in a public pool or if you're in a saltwater pool, they break down really quickly. Um, they get really stretched out and baggy. They don't, they only last a few months. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for, um, often when you're looking like on bathing suit websites or if you're in the store, um, they'll say that they're a training suit or they'll say endurance. So the mm -hmm. endurance means that it's more of, I believe it's polyester. So it's a thicker fabric and it feels different than what you would think of as a typical swimsuit. And it's just to have them hold up to the chlorine water better so that you would train in that. And then that will last longer and not get eaten away by the pool water like your, like your poor triathlon shorts did. <laughs> so often okay. people will buy training suits because they're they're thicker and they're made of a different material. And then at a meet, like if you've watched the Olympics, often you'll see them with, you know, the really high neck and they have, you know, men and women both have, you know, knee length shorts and there's kind mm -hmm. of specific suits for competing in, but you wouldn't train in one of those because they're very expensive and it's not going to last very long in the pool. Right. I wish someone told me that before. Next pair, <laughs> I'm going to look up this. And next pair, I want some triathlon shorts and I want some training um jammers that's that's yeah. what i need 
Okay, um, right. I think that takes care of gear, doesn't it? I think we know what gear we need if we're going to get. Yeah, into and that's really all you need. There is like there are extra things like kickboards, or I call them flutterboards, or pan paddles, fins slash flippers, pool boys. So you don't need any of that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Most pools have that available for you to use. Even with COVID, it's just that you put it in a bin to be cleaned after. So. You don't have to buy anything. You really just need goggles and a bathing suit and possibly a swim cap. Okay. Well, I have lots of questions following up about the training, but I didn't okay. ask you how, like, do you need to go, like, how long do we have you for? I have nothing else planned for today, so. Okay. Well, well maybe we'll see how many questions later. I can ask. Sorry? <laughs> maybe carving a pumpkin later, but that's it. Oh, yeah, I haven't done that. Okay. <laughs> I haven't even got a pumpkin. So. Yeah, me neither. Um, my, I have more questions about the master's uh, group session. So let's say okay. I go to one and they, they sort of determine uh, that I'm, I'm going to go say in, in the, one of the slow lanes what, yeah. and it's, you know, 60, 90 minutes. I mean, that might be intimidating for people who don't usually swim. So do you, do some people just go for part of the session? Like how hard are these workouts? How much resting are you doing? All that kind of stuff. So you don't have to go for the whole session. Um, most people will end up staying the whole time. Um, you're not swimming for 60 or 90 minutes nonstop. Hmm. So typically what happens is you show up um, and the coach gives you a warm up. So he's got a couple of whiteboards that he writes on. So he writes down what the warm up is. And that'll depend on, again, your skill level. He'll kind of say, okay, like you people over here, you're going to do this. And then you people over here, you'll do this. So you go, you warm up, you can swim completely at your own speed. If you want to rest for five minutes halfway through, if you want to stand on the deck and talk instead of warming up, that's an <laughs> option too. Um, and then typically, uh, like earlier in the season, they definitely go a little bit easier on you because most people don't swim, you know, in between the seasons. So he gives you different workouts. Um, so maybe, you know, you'll work on a few sets of kick or you'll work on pole or you'll just practice swimming different lengths. So generally they give you, um, you know, you're going to swim, you know, 50 meters four times. So okay. you'll have to learn how to count pool lengths by meters. That's mm -hmm. it's not that hard, but you'll have to do that. And he may say, okay, you'll take this much rest in between them or you'll do them on this amount of time. So you would do that and then... You know, you take a little bit of a break after. Um, sometimes you'll practice doing different drills. So if you know different drills to practice, you can pick your own. Sometimes he'll, you know, give you ideas of different drills that you can practice. So you basically, you swim for a little while, you stop and rest. There's and usually that, a fair bit of, of socializing that happens. So sometimes resting is longer than, than other times. <laughs> and so the... Say so you're going to do drills. Is this drills yeah. designed to improve your swimming technique? Yes. So a really the the good thing about swimming with masters is that, especially if you're starting out, um, doing shorter distances so that you don't get too tired. Because if you try to go and swim twenty lengths of the pool and you don't know what you're doing, you're going to be very very tired. Um, and you're probably going to be really discouraged. So mm. you practice doing shorter distances. So that you can recover um, drills there's 
for every stroke, there's all kinds of different drills and they're designed to help you work on your technique. So getting better at your technique is how you get to be a more efficient swimmer. And what, I mean, yeah, that's definitely something I experienced. Like I would go and swim before work in the morning. And at first I was doing 20 or 30 minutes and I was resting quite a bit, like every three or uh, every four to six lengths I would rest. And I was like exhausted at work and that, that went on for weeks. It took me so long to build up any tolerance and that. I think it was partially that I got a little better at swimming, so it wasn't so inefficient. But also, I think just because it's different, you know, you're working all these other muscles. And I was it in is. good shape. I ran a lot at the time. I could have, I was running, you know, a half and full marathon distance. I was training quite a bit. It wasn't a yeah cardio fitness thing, but yeah, I was just half asleep. I would drink like six cups of coffee at work on the days I went for yeah. a swim in the morning. So I, I feel your pain when I started swimming uh, again two years ago when I joined Masters. I think it had been five years since I had last actually gone lane swimming, and I like grew up swimming, so I, I had like decent technique, and I think I was exhausted for the first six weeks of the season, just mm. tired all the time. <laughs> so even if you are a swimmer, if you haven't swam in a long time, like it is, it does take a while to get used to. So. And yeah, it, it does a, get easier with time. It does. And it's a different type of tired, I notice. Like with running or biking or weight training, it's sort of muscular soreness. Whereas um, I didn't feel any specific. It wasn't like my shoulders got really tired or anything. It was more just okay. general fatigue. You know what just, I mean? Did you, yeah, just it, generally it Was yours tired. more experienced like specifically in the arms or like um, what? Do you know what I mean? I, I felt yeah. like... It I was remember, kind of easier on my body in some ways. It wasn't yeah. so specific. It was just a general fatigue. Yeah, and I think for the first week or two, I maybe just had stiff muscles everywhere, but then it okay. was just general fatigue. Like I yeah. was just, I'd walk up the stairs. Um, I'd walk up the stairs and just be exhausted by the time I climbed to the second floor of the building <laughs> that I worked in. And so, yeah, I, I was just generally tired for a few weeks and I did go from not swimming at all to swimming three times a week. So maybe swimming right. once a week would be a better way to start or even twice a week. Um, like if you, if you register for three times a week, you don't have to go three times a week. You can go mm. twice a week. Well, I think it's, it depends on what you want to get out of it really. Cause I think a lot yeah. of, I mean, most of the runners I see in the clinic are injured, right? And I'm always yeah. trying to sell them on biking and swimming as ways of keeping up their cardio fitness and not, stepping backwards because of their injury because inevitably yeah. uh, they have to reduce their running volume and you know if you want to feel that kind of for training fatigue you know really feel like you're progressing in terms of your cardio uh, cardio respiratory fitness swimming i think is a awesome alternative because it doesn't sort of you know your feet oh, don't yeah. hurt you if you've got knee pain it doesn't affect that usually it's it's a great way to cross train when yeah. you're injured yeah. But yeah, it is, it is, it's a full body workout, which is part of it. Like you're biking, you know, mostly your legs running again, mm-hmm. like your legs, but you're using your whole body with your swimming and you're using your core a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So and, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's exhausting when you're not used to it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm sort of taking a little while off. I, 
took some time off because the pool's shut and then I'm yeah. not going to be swimming for the next couple of months. I'm going to just work on strength training and then start again at Christmas. And I'm yeah. fully expecting this <laughs> sleepiness to come back. Hopefully again. you shouldn't be as tired. Um, because I, between like my first season and my second season swimming, I think I went lane swimming just once on my own and coming back in September after taking, you know, a couple of months off, it wasn't nearly as hard as it was, you know, the first year after taking five years off. And then Mm. even now with, with the pandemic, it had been six months since I had swam and it's still like you're, you're tired, but nowhere near that level of exhausted. So if you've, if you've built up a little bit of a tolerance, it does, you don't go right back to square one. So you should hopefully not be as exhausted as you were. Yeah. And that, that fits with other sports, doesn't it? Like when I know when I've taken time off rock climbing and then gone back to it, you know, you get your fitness back quicker. So it's sort of, yeah. Fits. yeah. The, sorry, I forgot what I was going to ask, but it was quite, specific um yeah so we were talking about when we're talking about what to talk about in this episode i was saying that you know it's it's something i often try and sell runners on right especially because they're injured usually when they're seeing me and i find with running when i get a lot of people say i want to take up running and I give them these like really careful, like couch to five carriers or interval running programs. And do you know okay. what I mean? I get them, I get them to go really slowly, build up yep. like a tiny bit at a time because running injuries are so prevalent, right? They're like 50% yeah. per year kind of thing of runners all get injured roughly. I mean, and then we were chatting about whether there might be some common swimming injuries. And, you know, we're saying, you know, as you get into swimming, it's quite tiring at first, especially if you go three times a week. But then I was thinking, do you have to be as careful if you're taking up swimming? Um, because there's no impact. Um, I personally, as a physio, I can count on one hand the number of swimming injuries I've seen in my career. Is this, uh, okay. have you seen a lot? Like, um, is it I've, very common for swimmers to be injured? It's common for swimmers to get shoulder pain. Right. And that's with, I think I've seen that I can recall, you know, one other injury from swimming, which just happened to be kind of a freak concussion that happened. Um, The person was doing a flip turn and they hit their head on the bottom of the pool. Um, But otherwise it's, it's only, it seems to be shoulders. So Hmm. I think a lot of that is because the shoulder is kind of a vulnerable structure to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, if you don't have good technique with swimming, so if you're not, again, sure what you're doing and you haven't necessarily been trained, then the technique that you're using can make you more susceptible to having an injury. And what, so what might that look like? How, how might I be adopting a technique that's putting me in a bad spot? So typically, um, I'm just going to talk about front crawl or what we call freestyle, because that's what most people do is they're going to just do front crawl. Um, and when you're swimming, what you want to do when you're bringing your arm out of the water is you keep your elbow high. So mm-hmm. a lot of people will bring their arm all the way around like a windmill with a straight arm. And mm-hmm. that's the motion that tends to get people into trouble. Hmm. Is that because it's a longer lever arm, essentially, so the stress on the shoulder per stroke is going to be higher if you've got your arm out straight as opposed to bringing a bent elbow through? 
I don't know the answer to that question. As a physio, <laughs> probably I should, but I, I don't really know the answer to that question. Okay. It's just one of those things that's always been there and it's always been stressed. And I never thought too much about why that was. Well, I think as well, the other thing that occurs to me, and again, like if I have seen swimmers over the years, they've been shoulder injuries, right? That's the only things I can remember seeing. I wonder as well, because there's a couple of things. So one is, particularly in older people, when you get them to twist, right? They've often lost a bit of mobility in their thoracic spine to to yeah so that's another a big one and shoulder blade stability too Um, like you can have a swimmer with great technique who gets a sore shoulder because their shoulder blade stabilizer muscles aren't working or yeah their thoracic spine is stiff so those are other things that can contribute and is the you know if you're going to get into swimming is there a way you would potentially approach it to try and avoid these things or is it more just go slow and if your shoulders are getting sore go and see your physio or an athletic therapist and have them looked at like how should you approach it if you're just getting into it i definitely think going slow is a good idea um if you have access to like get coaching or training that's helpful um working on things like rotator cuff strengthening or like scapular stabilization exercises would also be a good thing um, because there are lots of people that ask a lot of their shoulders and they never ever work on strengthening their rotator cuff okay um well i'll i don't want to take a deep dive into that too much just because i feel like that's gonna take another hour or two but (laughs) um just to just in a simple way what what's what's the rotator cuff what scapula stabilizes, how, how might you, like one or two simple exercises you might do to sort of strengthen those to help you stave off any potential shoulder injuries there? Um, so rotator cuff, uh, there are four muscles. They sit around your shoulder blade. They basically stabilize your humerus, so the upper bone in your arm. They stabilize that into the shoulder socket. So easy way if you have a resistance band or a dumbbell is to just tuck your elbow in and if you're either standing with your band you're pulling out to the side against your resistance here or laying on your side you would do the same thing pulling going the other way Um, Mm -hmm. those are often really common physio exercises Uh, doing shoulder blade squeezes so muscles to keep your shoulder blades kind of more glued against your rib cage where they should be instead of forward how I've been sitting for the last hour (laughs) (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) Um, so doing you know squeezing your shoulder blades together or doing rows or lat pull downs uh, those are those are good ones too Um, especially if you're mainly working on front crawl is you're using a lot more of the front of your shoulder and the front of your body as opposed to if you actually flip over and do backstroke now you can work at the back of the shoulder a little bit more but a lot of people just stay on their front when they're swimming because it's easier yeah 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 and um i would add to that to look at the the mobility of your uh, let's say your twisting mobility but what we're talking about here is the thoracic spine which is your your thoracic spine is like where your ribs are the way i tell people to have a quick check of that is to stand with your back to a mirror and put your feet together and then twist your whole body and try and look at yourself in the mirror does does that make sense and then if you can't yeah if you can't turn around and like see yourself if you're like if you only get like halfway and you're sort of craning your neck then you probably yeah. should do some stretches to loosen up your twisting, um, which, you know, yeah. 
you could Google something like a, a pretzel stretch or a spine twist stretch. And essentially, yeah. it's just anything that um, twists that part of your body. Because if you're stiff there, then you're going to have to put your shoulder further back as you're swimming. Yeah. Your shoulder's going to have to go more back behind you because you're not twisting your um, thorax to, to allow it to, yeah. to come through more comfortably. And when you're swimming, um, you should be also rolling your whole body. So rolling from your hips, um, there's different strategies for rotation. You can either rotate out of your hips or out of your shoulders. It's easier if you try to think about turning your hips when you're swimming. So mm. that'll, that'll yeah, take some of the pressure off your shoulders too, is right, that you yeah. actually rotate. So when you've brought your hand into the water, you would rotate your hips to roll your body. So you're actually rolling because mm -hmm. that hip rotation will make it easier on your shoulders than if you're trying to rotate through the upper half. Uh, so this is where it comes in when you're saying like, if you want to try and avoid shoulder injuries, like having good technique is a good way to do. And that might be where something where like yeah. a master's club would come in because like what you just said, I didn't even know that. So that's, <laughs> that's yeah. good advice. So when you're, when you're swimming, yeah. you know, your hand, say your right hand comes over, you put your right hand in and you're sort of pulling back on the water. As I'm pulling back, do I actually want to be um, sort of my, my tummy is facing down towards the bottom of the pool or do I want to be sort of slightly on my side as I'm pulling um, through? So you want to be on, so after your hand has entered the water, you mm -hmm. want to rotate, sorry, to reach further. And then, yeah, when you're, when you're pulling through to bring your hand by your hip, you would kind of rotate more so that your stomach is facing the floor of the pool. Yeah. Then you would go the other direction because your other hand has entered the water. So you're not swimming flat like a barge going yeah. through the water. Is you're trying to rotate your body side to side. Yeah, and that's something I noticed I was doing a lot at first. It was almost like I was a like a like a two by four kind of floating along and then my arms would do yeah. do so this and then I would turn my head. On your shoulders. Right. Yeah, and your neck. Yes. <laughs> I noticed. So that's gonna make your shoulders and your neck very sore. Um I actually I had a bit of a maybe an argument with a a patient once about turning your head when you were swimming. And I said, well, you don't turn it very much because you roll your body. And they were mm. convinced that yet, yes, you turn it quite far. And I had to think about it. And you do turn it when you're swimming, but if you're turning your neck a lot, it's because you're not rotating your body enough. Yeah, so, yeah, and I think, you have to turn yeah. your neck a bit, but it should be mostly coming with your body rotation. Well, I like what you were saying about turning with the hips, right? Because then it's almost like you're, you're sort of, twisting the bottom of a tennis racket or something you know you, you, the twist yeah. is coming from lower down yeah and that's a nice way of thinking about it and then with your hand so this is something i think i was doing at first and then i watched some youtube videos and i think it got better but essentially as you you know your hand enters the water and then you're pulling through and i think what i was doing yeah. is keeping the elbow quite straight and it was sort of coming through uh, like a big arc um yes, but that, that's, that's not quite right is that thing. Yeah, it's so what, what should right. we do? And, and that's something that I have been working on lately too, is you, they call it a high elbow catch. So there's mm -hmm. different drills that you can do to work on that as well. So 
a lot of people think of it again as that windmill where that your arm comes up straight and you pull it down with a straight elbow. But what you actually do is after your hand has entered the water is when you start to pull, you actually are bringing your elbow up and you're bringing your forearm down. So you're right. in the pool and you're trying to pull and it go, then your hand goes back by your hip. So once your hand has entered the water, when you're starting to pull, you should be bending your elbow. Hmm. And is there, a, I mean, is it very bent? Is, should it be sort of almost near your chest or is it like no, just a smidge it's, bent? It's, like it's, it would be less than a 90 degree bend. Um, the exact amount would probably differ swimmer to swimmer. Yeah. Um, I know last season we did a lot of drills that a lady who was a triathlete came up with a different way to swim freestyle and she really changed her stroke so that she was very bent and instead of pushing you know bringing her hand all the way by her hip which we mm -hmm. would normally do she would just stop short and come up again so oh, that was the i can't remember her name um i think it was carlin something but she had spent years developing this new technique to swim freestyle and that's what worked for her so the mm. amount of bend will will vary you can kind of play with it and see what works for you but yeah it's, you should have a, a bent elbow when and you're i've seen some underwater. people at the pool and they have one hand on a, a float and then the, okay. the other hand they're sort of almost swimming with one hand so is that familiar to you and why are they doing okay. that so they're probably uh, working on their pull um, because if you're if you're doing that straight arm, if you you know stabilize one arm so that you can focus on one side at a time, that's often easier. So you can focus on doing your high elbow catch, finishing your stroke, coming up. So you can just kind of slow it down where you've taken away all the rotation you have to think of. You've taken away what your other arm is doing so you can just really focus on doing the proper pull mm. and if so that if would just are, be a drill if you are a beginner and you're maybe thinking about going to masters obviously they're going to show you some drills that um yep. you know you can learn these um at the time say uh, you know you're not quite ready to take the plunge and go to the masters and you want to have a try on your own like i did at first would you suggest doing drills or would you more say just, you know, get in there and swim and get comfortable swimming? I would swimming? suggest doing drills. Um, what you'd probably want to do is start doing shorter distances. So even swimming 25 meters, taking five seconds rest or 50 meters um, and really yeah, focus on what you're doing. You can practice some drills over 25 meters and see because doing the drills is how you figure out the proper technique and what so, would be a good starting drill um so the one that you mentioned uh with uh the the kickboard or the flutter board is a mm -hmm. good one um if you take away the flutter board we call that catch up so you depending on how you do it you would either have your hands wide apart or sometimes you actually want to bring them to touch mm -hmm. so you're doing the same thing you just described you just don't have your hand resting on the board so if oh, you're so not you, very yeah. good at having that hand not sink down when it's not doing anything, then using the board is helpful. Okay. And then, I mean, something I noticed quite quickly is that my uh, legs would sink, right? They, they yes. felt like they, they were, I was almost, almost going diagonally across the water. Yes. 
Um, I don't know that I've improved that drastically. Um, what what's what's the proper amount of like flatness? I guess. And you want to be like you work on that flat, flat as um, you can get. So okay. One thing to think about is your head position. Right. So you should be looking down at the bottom of the pool. So if you're you're straight, a lot of people will look ahead when they're swimming because they mm. want to see what's coming. But your head should be in line with your body. So you're actually looking at the bottom of the pool when you're swimming. Or if your head is in the water, you know, you should the, the top half of your head should be out of the water. So if you're oh, looking okay. forward, yeah. that tends to make your feet sink down. Yeah. Um, and if you're not kicking, which is a problem with triathletes, that can also <laughs> what are you trying you to say? <laughs> is that if you're if you're going to then bike and then run, it makes sense that you would save the energy, you know, out of mm. your legs. But that is a problem that like some people like again that I've sw swam with that do Ironmans and things is they're trying to conserve their energy for their bike and their run. But you do mm. have to kick your feet, otherwise, yeah, you'll end up flat yeah yeah because your arms like once you've done the swim your arms are just basically <laughs> doing nothing in a yeah. triathlon so it's like i'll just do the swim with my arms and save the legs or but um the, the, the trouble with that as you say is you're gonna sink you're gonna be diagonal and your arms yeah. are gonna work twice as hard which is gonna make yeah. your heart and lungs work twice as hard right so it's not yes. efficient to to sort of spare your legs too much but i've, I've equally i've heard that kicking too hard can be sort of unnecessarily draining because you kind of your, your feet aren't in a place where they can generate tons of propulsion so if you're kicking too yeah. hard you're just kind of unnecessarily wasting energy and i think um my understanding is the stronger of a swimmer you are the more you should focus on your kick so if you're, you know, a high level swimmer, you should be kicking your feet because you'll know the proper rhythm and you'll know what type of kick you should be using. But if you're more of a beginner swimmer, you still want to kick them, but you're not spending your energy kicking when, you know, you're going to get more benefit from trying to use the proper pull with your arms and trying to roll your body. Mm. So it's, um, it's probably more, you want enough to keep yourself up in the water. Yeah. And not more than that until you get to a more advanced level with your swimming. Yeah. And kick okay. is something that I remember being a teenager and my parents telling me, like, why don't you kick your feet? I'm like, mm. I don't know. It messes up my rhythm. And so lately I've been, yeah, working more on kick, but I'm still not like a power kicker. Like they're, they're going, but they're not. So you, you have to kick them in order to float, but yeah, your, your energy is not going there first. Um, a good way to practice trying to, you know, focus on what your arms are doing. If you're worried about sinking is to use a pull boy, which is a, a thing that goes between your legs. So that will make your upper or your lower half float so that you can focus on what your arms are doing. And oh, you can get the arm, the arm position down. Um, you can really focus on your pull. You can focus on your head position. I actually find it a lot easier to roll the body with a pull boy too. So you can practice your rolling and you don't have to think about what your feet are doing. Hmm. So you can work on, you know, the top half and then your body just floats behind you. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, this is a nice point for me because I see people using those. And it's another thing that a little bit intimidates, you know, because you don't, you see the toys, the, the floaty stuff, and you yeah. see people using them. And because you don't really know what to do, you don't want to go and grab one and do the wrong thing and look like an idiot. Yeah. So 
there, I mean, and for people on who are listening rather than watching, you just picked up, uh, did you call it a pool boy? Yes. So, so what is that and, and what do you do with it? They're usually made of foam, although there are all kinds of different ones now. And there are different styles. Um, so the one that I have has two foam cylinders and there's a strap that you can adjust. So it goes in between your thighs. Uh, you can put it between your knees or between your ankles, but I like to put it up kind of right into my groin area. And you basically, some of them you have to squeeze. So it'll make you activate your leg muscles, activate your core. If you, if you lose the squeeze, then the pull boy uh, flies away. Well, so but it actually it is, helps you with your technique in that sense as well, because you're becoming yeah. more like a, a cylinder kind of thing, as opposed to like a flailing yeah. kind of Yeah, so you have to, there, and there's different styles. Um, the style that I have is the only one that I like. I don't like the other ones. And I think it's because I have very small skinny legs. So they just mm. pop out. So you, you might turn, have to play with different different pool boys to find yeah. the one that works for you okay because yeah the yeah. one you have there has almost like it's two two cylinder form things yeah, and then two. like a strap between them whereas before yeah. i think i've seen it's it's more like one form thing with sort of a bump yes. at either end yeah so those are very popular um that's more of what i see um i i don't know why i've never asked anyone why they prefer that one but yeah, you just put it between your legs and it helps your back half float so you can focus on what your your top half is doing. So that'll allow you to work more on your, you know, your rolling as we talked about, sort of on, twisting yeah, and from the rolling hips. And, and on, on yeah. your pole and on your, your pole so you're not, and, yeah. And then the head position, we want, you know, half the head out the water and we want to be looking down at the, yes. the bottom of the pool when, when we're swimming. And then, so say that's going to help you work on your top half. These are all good tips for me. And then what would you do if you had the leg sinking problem that, um, that I mentioned? How would you work on that? And how would you know if you were doing it well? Um, so working on getting your, your top half in the right position should help with your leg sinking. And then again, oh, okay. working on the kick. Those are, I, those, I'm, I've been thinking about that for a few days. And those are the only things that I know of because... For me, it's just something that I, I think I've overlearned. So I don't know how else to give advice on that. Well, when I, I, I don't um, have a problem with sinking. So I, right. I don't what I that. So the thing I w wonder about when I'm swimming, uh, so I've worked on my kicking to try and get my legs to come up a bit, and I feel like they do. I never quite know when I'm swimming, should my feet remain in the water or should sort of one foot be popping up yeah. over the surface each time? You want to try to keep them under the water. Um, oh. And if you're, if you're practicing doing kick with a kickboard, your feet should mostly be in the water and you should have a fairly small splash because if you're bringing your foot out of the water, well, now when you're bringing it down, you're using energy, but you're not actually displacing any water. So you're supposed oh, to do okay, small, yeah. quick kicks just under the surface of the water. Yeah. And then so if you have a you huge said, splash, you're just wasting energy. <laughs> yep. So I've been doing that because I thought that was good because it meant that my feet were up. But that's all. Yeah, that makes sense because it's not going to push yeah. me forward at all, is it? Because my feet need to be in the no. water to propel me and forward. And you'll get very tired. <laughs> okay. Well, this is good to know. So, and then you said, did you say <laughs> kickboard there? Yeah like, a, yeah, like a kickboard or a flutterboard is just something, those, those floaty things that you would hold on to when you're kicking. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, I so call them a flutterboard or yeah, a kickboard. Okay, 
Yeah, I think I think most people are familiar with those. And that, that's the one toy I've had the guts to pick up at the pool and, and have a go with because I kind of felt like I knew what to do with it. Um, but I yeah. haven't tried with the pool boys because I was... But, if, you know, if we've got the, the pool boy and a, a flutter board, they, they sound like good ways for beginners to work on their technique. And yeah. is there anything else toy-wise that... Oh, shoot, is that is that pretty much it? Those are kind of the main ones. Um, some people like to use fins or flippers, like kind of what you'd see a scuba diver wear. Oh, okay. um, those can be helpful if you are struggling with your kick. Um, so if you put a pair of uh, fins on, especially the long ones, and your foot is coming out of the water, it'll be really obvious that you're not actually doing anything efficient to kick. So then you ah, can work okay. on doing a small kick under the water. Um, I think that swimming, like doing like a, a regular stroke with fins on can be a helpful way to focus on your kick so that maybe you don't sink as much. Mm. I... Uh hardly ever wear fins i wear them like once a year so i'm not a great person to ask about them but i i do have people that i swim with that will wear them every time they do kick because they want to focus on you know resistance training or because hmm. they just struggle if they do kick without fins so fins can be helpful if you're struggling with your kicking Okay, cool. And then um, the other thing I've seen people use at the pool is um, they have something on their hand, which is kind of like flat. And, and do you know what I mean? And I think like they hold, paddle? it's like, yeah, that. <laughs> so what's that? There's, there's different styles. Um, I have a little one and I have a really big one. Oh, yeah. And okay. so, so can we describe that for people listening, what you've got? In yeah. Your so <laughs> the hand paddle, they're usually made of plastic. Um, there's different styles of them. The one that I have is a piece of plastic about an inch or so wider than my hand um, it's got holes in it and there's little straps to put it on so you mm -hmm. you put it around your hand when you're swimming so it would look like this if you can mm -hmm. see that so what it'll do is it's helpful when you're working on pull so i usually would only use the hand paddles when i'm using a pull boy and okay. it helps you have your hand enter the water properly they do make a specific type where if you have your hand entering the water the wrong way, the paddle will fall off. I don't have oh, those. Okay. Um, yeah. But you basically, if you're not entering with your hand, you know, flat, if you're turned, well, you're not going to notice any pull from your paddle where it's meant to increase the surface area of your hand. So you can focus more on doing your pull and actually moving more water with it and getting your hand in the right position. And then if you're a more experienced swimmer and you want to add some resistance for strength training, well, if you put a, a really big paddle on, now you've got oh, a, okay. a big surface area so that you're moving a lot more water. There's a lot more resistance. So it's, yeah. it's a lot harder. So right, I think that okay. they uh, recommend smaller paddles. Just a minute <laughs> for beginners because the big ones are too much uh, i'm sorry i have to let richard in the house yeah go <laughs> he's for it. locked out okay i think smaller hand paddles are better for beginners just because if you don't really know what you're doing and you slap a really big paddle on there that might just be too much right they often have these at pools too um sometimes they're kind of hiding mm -hmm. so they're they're usually over where they have kickboards and pool boys and all the other kind of toys 
How much are you looking at spending on, you know, some things like hand paddles, pool boys? Um, I, I think mean, my pool boy was, pool. yeah, I think my pool boy was $16. I bought it online. Uh, hand paddles, I want to say like 20 to 30, although I got mine as a gift. So I'm not exactly sure of the price, but generally they're not terribly expensive. Man, anyone who is you know, getting into triathlon will be relieved at the price of swimming equipment, like compared to the bikes and this stuff related to the biking, which is just insane. Um, This is really nothing. So this is good stuff. It's like goggles, some shorts, and it's a Bathing suits are expensive. Um, Okay. 50 to $90, like bathing suits are the most expensive part. And but, you want a training yeah. one and a, and a, I guess we call it like a performance one. Um, you could, you could do it in your triathlon and your performance one. Like if you were a serious, you know, pool swimmer who was going to meets, you might want a performance one, but, or I guess really serious about your triathlon too. Oh, but you mean you could do your, you could do your race in your training gear yeah. essentially. Oh, yeah. So, so really you should just start with the training gear and then yeah. get more, more if you want. Get more okay. at, if you want it. Yeah. Okay, um, I think that's answered all of my questions. That that was super awesome. Can I just check my little list and oh, yeah, uh, make sure we got everything? I don't remember. I mean, you asked me about critical swim speed, but I don't know anything uh, about that. So. That was something I came across. Um, it's essentially a way of just, and that's probably a good question. Um, do you look much when you go to these master's sessions? Um, something yeah. I have trouble with when I when I swim, especially at first, I got a little better since I did some like testing to try and work out my different swim speeds that I should go. Okay. Um, pacing is, is, is very tricky. Do you, do you go more yes. off? Okay. The coach says, you know, you're going to do, what, what do they say? Do they say you're going to do four lengths as fast as you can? You're going to try and hit X, Y, or Z pace. Like, how does that work? Yeah, so often he gives us a time. So he'll say you're going to do four by 100 meters on this amount of time. So we'll just say two minutes, which is kind of slow for some people. Um, So if you're going to swim 100 meters in two minutes, what that means is you swim your 100 meters, you get to the wall, and then whatever amount of time you have left until it's been two minutes since you started. So he kind of, sometimes he'll give you a specific time to go on like the two minutes or Mm -hmm. they'll say, you know, 10 seconds rest in between. So Mm -hmm. depending on the level that you're at, um, usually he goes kind of lane by lane. Okay. You guys are going to do two minutes. You're going to do one forty-five. You'll do, you know, a shorter distance on the same amount of time. So you are kind of doing interval training. So you would swim, you take a bit of a rest. Um, so what you can do, there's, there's time clocks at every pool. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how you figure out is if I know I'm swimming a hundred meters in two minutes, well, when I touch the wall, I'm going to look up and see, well, how much rest do I have? Like how long did that take me? Mm-hmm. And if I get, you know, 20 seconds rest, okay, great. That's a, you know, a a good amount of time to recover with swimming. And then you go again and maybe Mm -hmm. that time you were slower. So you only had 15 seconds rest. So, you know, for the third one, well, I have to go a little bit quicker than I did for that last one. Um, Mm -hmm. Pacing, it definitely takes practice. Um, They do, you can buy goggles that will like have a time clock kind of thing that you can see. Um, Things like that, you're not allowed to use in competitions so a lot of people don't use them because 
then you don't actually learn how to pace yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing to pace is doing like build. So what you would do is for the start of your 100 meters, you know, the first 25, you're going to go nice and easy. The second 25, you're going to try to go a little bit quicker. The third one, a little bit quicker. So you're trying to build your speed throughout. That mm -hmm. way you're not giving all of your energy at the beginning and then you run out of gas at the end. So those are other kind of ways to to pace yeah. but it does it does take practice yes because it's not like you know running or biking where you can just constantly look at your watch and um yeah, yeah it's it's almost like you like you get the hang of like you, you look at the pull clock um and then yeah. you do your your interval whatever it is and then you look back at it and you have to try and work out like how long it took you and whether you were yeah. trying to meet weight whether you met the pace that you were going for i found that very yeah. tricky and i think as well because it's harder to feel when you're swimming and certainly at first because you don't have the sweat and the warmth you can't feel your breathing yeah. as easily <laughs> it's harder to know how hard you're actually working so you, sometimes you know it's like in my little plan it's like do 400 meters as hard as you can and after like 25 meters i'm like dear lord i can't keep this up you know what i mean i'm going way harder than i need to because i can't really yeah. feel how hard i'm going so and that is something that can like again it takes some practice um the helpful thing about like swimming with with masters is that you're swimming generally with people that are a similar speed as you mm -hmm. so you what you can do is you can kind of tell like okay you know you usually leave five seconds after the person ahead of you so they're about five meters ahead so then you can kind of tell well he's like bob is way far ahead of me like i should probably pick up the pace here or like oh i've I've caught up to him so either he's going too slow or i'm going oh, too fast right. so okay so you yeah, can also you actually, use the yeah. people around you like if if you're having trouble pacing because you're new to it, then that is one thing is you can kind of use the person around you. Or I guess if you were lane swimming, you could kind of do the same thing is. Yeah, that, that steers you wrong though sometimes because it's very, it can, like people yeah. sort of self-assign there, don't they? So sometimes you get people who are like crazy fast in the middle or in the fast lane and yes. some of them like <laughs> they, they really shouldn't be in that lane. Do you know what I mean? And, it, and so it, yeah, it can be misleading. So that's, and it, and it, that's one of the reasons I don't like lane swimming is because you don't know who you're swimming with. You don't know what workout they're doing. You don't know if they're actually in the right lane. So like the nice mm. thing about masters is you, you know, if, if one day I go to the pool and there's a whole bunch of fast people, you know, faster than me already there, well, I'm going to go in a slower lane, Right. but now maybe I'm going to go first because I know I'm faster than these people. So then you can, you, you kind of get to know the speed of people that you swim with, or if someone is the same speed as you, you can be like, okay, well, I'm tired today. So you go first and then I'll just mm. slowly swim behind. So you don't, it, you not as, it's not as frustrating as when you just go with the general public when everybody's doing their own thing. And that is a bit frustrating. Like, I don't want to sound it like really a whiner, is. but I'm, I'm sure other people get frustrated with me, but it can be like, you know, sometimes I would go after work, so I'm a little tired anyway, and I've got a certain workout yeah. I want to do. And, you know, the pool's a bit busier. There's maybe two or three people in the lane, and we're all swimming different speeds, taking different rests. Yeah. And it, it can be a little annoying. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And then sometimes like people do this like big wide swing and like smack you in the head or hit your arm as they're swimming, you know, as, as you swim that past each other. Anyway, um, I, I hear that that's good training for open water triathlons. It's just oh, get used to getting hit yeah. by people. But uh, that, that will happen like regardless 
I'm, I've hit people with my little hand paddle several times just because yeah, you're, if you both swing at the same time, or sometimes what'll happen is you'll kick somebody under the lane rope. Like if you're doing a breaststroke kick because you, your feet come out wider. So as you swim by, you just give somebody a kick or Mm -hmm. like it, it happens all the time. So it's par for the course. And if you're going to be a swimmer, you got to learn to, to take those little irritations on the chin so that's that's normal yeah that's that's part of it and like generally people are okay and like usually like someone says sorry and you're like what are you talking about you're like oh yeah i forgot that you hit me you know five Mm. minutes ago like it's so yeah usually people aren't bothered by it well no i mean that's a good point because like obviously you've been swimming for years it's happened hundreds of times but me the first time i hit someone's hand yeah. I was like really embarrassed. I thought I'd done something wrong, you know, maybe swung my hand yeah, into their lane or something. Yeah, it all the time. Right, yeah. So usually like if if I was just doing, you know, lane swimming with the with the public, like if we stopped, I would I would apologize because I don't know them and I don't know, yeah, we, you know, I don't want to if you're new to swimming and I've hit you, I don't want to scare you away or anything mm. like that. So, but yeah, generally like at, you know, at masters or things like it's not a big deal. Okay. Right. Okay. That's and good to know. Especially so, when you're doing butterfly oh yeah right i mean we didn't really touch on other strokes because i mean most people were talking about runners getting into swimming that like you said they're mostly going to do freestyle and for triathletes listening and watching they're not going to swim breaststroke for their swim like so no and i mostly swim freestyle as well um i've been trying to make myself lately do the other strokes too but yeah like it's freestyle is is basically everybody's favorite (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's the, it's the, I guess it's it seems the easiest to me. I mean, I don't even know if I can do the other strokes. <laughs> There's more again if you're new and you don't know the technique, you might as well master freestyle and get efficient at that. If you're just going to do triathlons and things, then worry about doing like backstroke and whatever crazy fool does butterfly in a triathlon. I mean, more power <laughs> to them, but that's not the best way to swim it. This has been super helpful. Like, oh, that's good. I'm these happy. questions, you know, like I sort of learned the answers, but even I've learned quite a bit. And they're just these questions that you're just kind of embarrassed to ask. And I think that's part of the reason that a lot of runners, especially injured runners, when I'm trying to convince them to go and try yeah. some swimming, they don't because there's all these little things that we don't know, you know, and we don't want to ask. Yeah. And we don't know who to ask. And so I think that's really helpful. So. Thank you for and going through yeah, all that. And I've, I've noticed over the years that runners, a lot of them don't like swimming. Um, and it's, it's a lot different. Uh, the breathing is a lot different, which I know has been a barrier for some friends that I've had that run marathons is they, mm-hmm. they can't figure out how to breathe when they're swimming mm-hmm. because it's different than running. Yeah. We didn't talk about that. Cause I've heard some people do have trouble with that at first. I guess I didn't really, yeah. I did when I went to open water. Uh, a okay. lot of trouble with the breathing but I think that was more anxiety um you know the water was cold I would put my head under and I couldn't keep my head under so I've had okay. a lot of trouble with that that I've just kind of got through with sort of graded exposure but I've heard that a lot of people like when they first start swimming they can't keep their breath because they're they're not able to time their breath like when you're running you breathe when yeah. you want right whereas when you're swimming yes. it's like sort of in sync with your stroke is there any, yes. is there any, is it just practice? Is there any way to work on it? Like, um, it's practice. A couple of things to remember. Um, you breathe out through your nose into the water. 
Um, mm -hmm. Something that is helpful for people sometimes is to hum. So you would hum while you're breathing out. Um, oh, so you don't breathe through your mouth when you're breathing you out? You inhale through your mouth. Okay. You breathe, and then you close you exhale your mouth. into the water, yeah, through your nose. Mm. You want to make sure that you've breathed out all of your air into the water so that when you turn your head to inhale, you don't have to exhale and then inhale again because that's mm -hmm. going to really slow you down and then you'll swallow water, which I've done. Uh, um, yeah. So yeah, you, you exhale through your nose into the water and then you breathe in through your mouth. When I was a kid, I used to breathe out through my mouth into the water mm -hmm. and then inhale through my mouth and that doesn't seem to work. Um, it's a really good way to get water in your nose, which then kind of confuses things. But also it's, it's you, you're breathing out through your mouth. So your mouth is already kind of open and then you're going to inhale and mm -hmm. you, it, there's just the timing isn't quite right there. So, mm. so you you're more likely exhaling. to choke and drink water. Uh, drink yeah. Water. Mm, okay. Um, so if, uh, if we have convinced some runners or yeah. um, <laughs> uh, we've got some triathletes interested in getting into some uh, joining in with the Masters Club, what what should they do? How do they go about it specifically for your club or more generally if they're not around here? Um, so specifically for our club, um, a good thing to do would be uh, the Red Deer Masters Swim Club does have a website. Um, we're upgrading the website in the next few months. Um, I don't know if you can provide a link to the website. Yeah, I can put um, that in the description. Because there is a like contact us kind of information email. Um, you can even just, you know, send you a message or me a message and say you want to come to a practice and we can give you the information. You are able to come in and, and try one or two practices and then maybe, you know, register in January or something. Um, okay. The registration is online and with COVID, you have to register online. If you just wanted to drop in for a practice, you don't have to be registered at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, Roy is the is our club president. He's quite helpful. Um, I did a couple of years ago email a masters club in Calgary. I don't remember which one. I also like I found them through Google, and they had mm. a you know contact us button too. So but it's going to be pretty standard. Like you Google, you know, your town, and uh, I know yeah, Shane who asked masters. the question is in Ottawa. So if you put in Ottawa masters swimming, and then you look for something that's in a pool near you, and then reach out to the the club yeah and then it's it's probably going to have a similar structure to what you said two three yeah. sessions a week and they'll put you in the right lane and and you can be anything from a complete beginner who could only just swim to quite yeah. a high level swimmer yeah the one um the club that i messaged in calgary if you were trying to register they asked for the the time it took you to swim 100 meters of freestyle so four lengths of freestyle oh, okay. so that was so they kind of knew about what level you were at Right. Okay. Um, some of them, like we actually, the Red Deer Silver Sharks also has a Facebook page. Um, so looking social media, some of them may have that as well. Some of them might not. <laughs> Depending <laughs> on the, how old school they are. Well, advertising, like for our club, um, advertising has been a bit of a struggle. We actually just recently got a grant from the city of Red Deer. So we'll be able mm. to start doing more advertising in the next little while to try to get a little bit more known about. But... Google's probably your best bet. Hmm. Or even if you just go to the pool and ask the lifeguard or ask the person at the front desk and they'll know if there's a master's club in town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, that, that, again, super helpful, Candice. Thank you for coming okay, to talk great. to I'm us. I'm happy that was helpful. I'm <laughs> going to get I'm some gonna... runners swimming. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop the recording there just a sec. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like your questions featured on the show, just email me envoidphysio at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe. And if you have a moment to leave me a review in whatever podcast app you use, it's a huge help for the show. See you next week.